John chapter 8, verse 37. Jesus speaking here, he said, I know that ye are Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me, because my word hath no place in you. That's the key part there. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and ye do that which ye have seen with your father. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto them, If ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. But now ye seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. Ye do the deeds of your father. And then said they unto him, We be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Well, just mingle, they said Abraham, now they're saying it's God. Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, ye would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. Ye are of your father the devil. And the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and a boat not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. For he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. Would you help us pray? Father, we love you. God, we love you only because you first loved us. We would have absolutely no idea what love was had it not been uh, for you and your great love for us. I'm, I'm thankful that you commended your love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, you died for us. You didn't wait for us to clean up ourselves. You didn't wait for us to get things fixed and, and uh, get things repaired in our own life before you came to this earth and died for us. You realized we could not do that on our own. And so you came and paid the price for our sin. And we're so thankful for that. God, we're so grateful uh, for your sacrificial death on Calvary's cross. And God, we're thankful for the resurrection, God, that justifies us and makes us as if we have never sinned. It frees us and it frees us indeed. And I'm so thankful for that. Father, I pray this morning, God, you'd help me say everything I need to say and guard me from saying anything I do not need to say. Help me preach the Word of God. And I pray, God, you'd change lives for time and eternity's sake. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Of course, we are still, those of you that have been with us for several weeks now, we have been in the midst of a a long conversation, if you will. Uh, it is a, I don't know that it's taken as long as it's taken us to preach it, <laughs> uh, to speak it out, but, but I notice as this conversation between Jesus and the religious Jews, it's Jesus and the Pharisees and the scribes and those religious leaders, I notice the longer this conversation gets, the, the longer it continues, it seems as if the Lord's statements, uh, they become more sharp. Uh, they become more pointed, if you will. I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to pretend like I know the, 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 uh, the uh, I, don't under, I don't know the nature of Christ here, but I don't know if he's getting 
frustrated. I don't know if he's getting agitated. I, I don't know what, why it is, but it just seems he's getting sharper and sharper. And I know this. I know that what he is saying is true. I know he is speaking truth. And you know this. Sometimes truth cuts, don't it? Sometimes the edge of truth is sharp in our lives. And I noticed just, I just wrote some things down just in the text that I read uh, tonight or this morning. Some sharp things he says. He says this, my word hath no place in you. My word can't find a lodging place in you. My word doesn't speak to you. Then he said this, ye would do the works of Abraham. If you were really Abraham's seed, you'd do his works, but you're not, do, he's a, in any way, you're not doing the works of Abraham. He said this, if you were God's children, you'd love me. And see, again, you don't love me. And of course, he already said it. You want to kill me. You want me dead. And these men do want him dead. He said this, why don't you understand? It's well, because you can't hear my word. You can't even hear. You're deaf to the word of God. Then he makes a statement at the end of the text I read today. Verse 44, that, that, that first sentence. Ye are of your father, the devil. That's, 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 that's sharp. That's pointed. That, 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 that's where the rubber meets the road. He's not beating around the bush. He's not trying to disguise what he is saying. He is straightforward. Ye are of your father, the devil. And that's what the conversation has kind of gotten to. Is a discussion, a conversation of fathers. See, they claim, they claim to be Abraham's children. They said, uh, they said in verse number, uh, verse, uh, verse number uh, 33, we, they answered him, we be Abraham's seed. And we're never in bondage. We dealt with that last week. We, we're Abraham's seed. And that's true to a degree, right? They, they're Jews. They are Israelites indeed. They, they are they're the bloodline of Abraham. They, they, are, they come out of Abraham. But yet, physically they may be Abraham's seed. But the Bible tells us in Romans chapter number 9, they are not all Israel which are of Israel. I think this might be a good time to this morning to maybe point out a false doctrine that goes around a lot, but it really shows up in times like right now, like times like what's happening over in Israel. I'm so, uh, so burdened about what's happening over in Israel. I'm burdened about uh, the, the, those, the, the Hamas terrorist group uh, uh, killing those innocent little children and those women. And, uh, and I don't care what the liberal left would say, that's not true. It is true. They, 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 they're, they're, they're slaughtering. I'm burdened by this. But I want you to understand something. While Israel is still God's chosen people, God still has a plan for Israel. Let me just remind you of something. Israel is only saved through the same way that you and I are saved this morning. Just because a person is of Jewish bloodline does not automatically make them a child of God. It does not automatically make them saved. It does not automatically make them headed to heaven. They must be born again. Remember Jesus talking to a Jew when he says that. He's talking to a religious Jew, Nicodemus. Ye must be born again. He said this to the religious Jew, Nicodemus. Uh, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him, who? His son, 
shall not perish but have everlasting life. He's talking to a religious Jew. And this conversation we're talking about right now in John chapter 8 is to a bunch of religious Jews. And so I just want you to understand, I don't care what TV preacher comes on the scene. I don't care if he claims to be an independent fundamental Baptist. If he claims that Jews are automatically saved because they're Jews, that man has not read his Bible. He has read some book off a shelf somewhere that ought not be in circulation. And so I just felt like that was a time to maybe point that out because Romans chapter 9 says, they are not all Israel which are of Israel. And he's talking about that spiritual birth that must take place in everybody, including Jews. These men here may have been of the seed of Abraham. I think they maybe point out this this morning. That just because your mom and daddy saved doesn't make you saved. Just because your family has always been in church. You may be the seed of a Christian, but you are not a Christian just by way of your seed. Not just of your, your physical bloodline. But see, these people were physically part of Abraham's seed, but spiritually... Abraham was the father of all them that believe, is what Romans 4 says. He's the father of all them that believe. And so spiritually speaking, they were not children of Abraham. Notice Jesus' response to this. He says at verse 37, I know that ye are Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. I speak that which I have seen of my father, and ye do that which ye have seen with your father. He's He's getting to verse 44. He hasn't said it out loud yet. He's talking about the devil, your father. But they don't understand. They, they holler out, uh, well, well, we're Abraham's seed. We're Abraham's. We're, Abraham's our father. You know, we sing the song, Father Abraham. How many sons? How many sons had father? We, that's our father. And Jesus, look what he says to him. Jesus said unto them, verse 39, If ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. I don't know how long we'll do it. But you know, you know what the works of Abraham is? Abraham was living in a pagan world. As far as we know, we do not, he, he may have even been, we know that the people he lived around, and, and, it, was, and it seems as even his, his father were part of people who, who built pagan gods. They carved out pagan gods and, and, and created, uh, they made these little uh, statues of false gods. And, I, and, and as far as we know, Abraham was involved in that, in that even work, a line of work. I, I don't even know where Abraham heard of God. But all of a sudden, God came to where Abraham was in the midst of a pagan nation. And God called Abraham to get out of that land. Leave your family behind. Leave your career behind. Leave all those things you know about and follow me. And you know what the works of Abraham was? He believed God. He just believed God. He, I don't know how he knew about God. I don't, know, I don't know how he learned about God. But all of a sudden God spoke to Abraham. God's word came to Abraham in the midst of a pagan land. And Abraham just believed God. Romans 4 says, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. That's the works of Abraham. The works of Abraham was that God says, leave every sacrifice. every." God says, sacrifice your own life. To follow me. Sounds like Jesus, doesn't it? Jesus says, uh, I wonder why Jesus sounds like God. Because <laughs> Jesus is God. 
All right? Take up your cross and follow me. God says, take up your cross, Abraham. Leave everything behind and follow me. And Abraham says, I believe that's God. I believe God's word. I'm going to go and do it. Then later on, Abraham finally has a son in his old age. He's got the seed of the promise. Isaac is his son. And God calls Abraham to sacrifice his son's life. Watch this. Abraham left his past life to follow God. And now God's calling Abraham to, to leave his future life and follow me. Why? Why, why I say future life? Because Isaac's supposed to carry the seed on. Isaac's supposed to be the one of the promise. Isaac's supposed to want Abraham is going to die without any seed if Isaac don't make it. And so now God says, give me, you gave me your past, Abraham. Now give me your future. You know what the works of Abraham was? We climbed up that mountain and got that knife out. No, you know what the works of Abraham was? He believed God. He walked, he just believed God. He just believed the word of God. You know how I know that's the, that's the word, what Jesus is talking to here? Here's why I know that's what God, this is what Jesus is talking to. Look in verse number 37. He said this, I know that you're Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. You're not doing Abraham's work because you don't believe the word of God. You don't believe the scripture. You, you scribes, you copy the word of God every day of your life. You are vocationally in the ministry of copying the word of God, but you don't believe it. You Pharisees, you can quote the first five books of the, the law. You know all of the, the laws that there are. You try to keep up, but you don't believe it. You quote the prophets. You claim that you are a people of the book, but you don't believe it. Because my word has no place in you, you don't do the works of Abraham. Abraham's not your father. Because you don't do the works of Abraham. Abraham, the Bible says in James chapter 2, verse 23, Abraham was the friend of God. But they, these descendants of Abraham, had made them the, made themselves the enemy of God's Son. He says it. Ye seek to kill me. And this is not the first time in this conversation he has mentioned that, and they've not denied it. Why? Because they want to kill him. Why do they want to kill him? Well, at first they got mad because, you know, he healed somebody on the Sabbath day. That's what they first really got mad about. There's a crippled man. He's been crippled 38 years. Why couldn't he wait one more day and heal him on the next day? Why couldn't he wait till Sunday? Why couldn't he wait till the first day of the week? Why didn't he have to do it on Sabbath day? They're mad about that. Well, then when they get to conversating with him and he says, well, does God not have power to forgive sin? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Who you, 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 you say you're God. Now they want to kill him because they understand clearly who he is claiming to be. He's claiming to be God in the flesh. They, they've been wanting to kill him for a while now. And so he says this, you want to kill me because the word has no place in you. The Word of God has found no entrance into your life and therefore now you claim to be the seed of the friend of God but yet you're in, you have become an enemy of God. All because the Word has no place 
in your life. Have you ever heard the saying, if somebody tells you who they are, believe them? You ever heard that saying? If somebody tells you who they are, believe them. I've heard that a lot here lately. I've, I've, I've been, I don't watch it a lot, but I've been picking up on the news here this last week or so. I wanna, I'm trying to keep up what's going on over there in Israel. And I've heard that about the, this crowd in our country who are praising Hamas. This crowd who, this crowd in our, in our political arena. I'm not just talking about the crazies on the street. That doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me, the people in the street, but, but, but these people in the political offices who are praising Hamas. And I've heard it said over and over, well, they told us who they were. We should have believed them. When someone tells you who they are, believe them. Why, why do I say that? Well, these men are telling us who they are. They've been telling us who they are, actually, for chapter 6, 7, and 8 now. They've been telling us who they are. They've been revealing who they are. And, and listen, not only have they been telling us who they are, watch this, they've been telling us whose they are. They've been telling us who their father was. They've been telling us who their daddy was. Watch this. And so they tell us, the Lord Jesus, here's what he says. He says, uh, you, uh, you're not the seed of Abraham because you don't do the works of Abraham. And Jesus puts up a contrast before their eyes and he contrasts his father with their father. And here's how he does it. He contrasts their works with his works. He, he contrasts his words with their words. He contrasts uh, their, his deeds with their deeds. He contrasts his manner of life with their manner of life. He's showing them, no, you're, you're, of the, you're a spiritual child of the devil. Verse number, verse number 38, And ye do that which ye have seen with your father. Here's what it says. What you're doing, you're doing it with your father because you've seen it with your father. Verse 38. You're doing what your father has you to do. And so what do they do? They're still confused about what he's talking about. They still. Why are they so confused? Here's what. The word of God's had no place in them. They have been willingly rejecting the word of God. They have been willingly turning themselves over to the things of this world. They have been willingly rejecting God's word. And God is turning them over. He's turning them over. You want the world, you have it. You want to re willingly reject the light, then reject the light. You want to li willingly live in darkness, live in darkness. They can't understand. And so what do they say? Verse 39, they answered and said, Abraham is our father. And he said that, verse number 41, he, he said this, Jesus said this in 41, at the first part, ye do the deeds of your father. And then, they, and then said they, watch what they say. We be not born of fornication. This is just a side note for you Bible students, but here's what they're doing. They are now calling into question his birth. Who's your daddy anyway? I mean, wasn't, wasn't, wasn't Joseph and Mary like engaged to be married when she found out she was expecting and like they claimed it was the Holy Ghost and stuff? See, we're not born of fornication. See, we know who your real daddy is. You remember in chapter 6 they said it. Isn't his father the carpenter? Isn't he the son of the carpenter? See, you were brought about by fornication if Joseph is your real daddy and everything. 
That's what they're doing there. See, we can't just read this book. We can't just read this Bible and just speed read this thing. We're not born of fornication. You have been. That's why they asked earlier in the chapter in verse 19, where is thy father? You're talking about your daddy. Who is he? Where's he at? Now, we're not born of fornication. But notice what they say now. But then they, they, they contradict themselves. They've been saying they're, they're, that Abraham's my father, Abraham's my father. But look at verse 41. We be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. They said Abraham was their father. Now they're saying God's their father. There's only one place in the Old Testament, only, only one area in the Old Testament is Isaiah where we can even see a resemblance of God calling himself the father of Israel. But, but they would not be wrong here. They would not be wrong saying God's the father of the children of Israel. It wouldn't be wrong there. But it's not the theme of the Old Testament. It's not the theme of the relationship between God the father and Israel like it is in the New Testament. In the New Testament, that's the theme. Those that believe become sons of God. Hallelujah. But that's not the theme of the Old Testament. But they wouldn't be wrong saying that. Here's what they say. We have one father. Even God. So now they're claiming to be children of God. And Jesus has already corrected. You're not children of Abraham. You don't do the works of Abraham. Now look what Jesus, said. Jesus says in verse 42. Jesus said unto them, if God were your father, you would love me. Here's what he says. He immediately calls in question that claim by saying, you are devoid of the character of God. If you were really the seed of God, if you were really the children of God, you would act more like God. And God loves and God, and that's not, that's not something, you know, sometimes we get so hard against that because everybody wants to use that for a license to sin. Hey, listen, God is love. Amen. The love of God is real. It's something to rejoice at. That's what we live in. That's what we ought to live by, the love of God. And he says this, God is love, and you men want to kill me. If you were the seed of God, you'd love me. You are devoid of the character of God. There is nothing of God to be seen in you. Matter of fact, I believe God, I believe Jesus is calling to question what they had done to ruin Judaism in Israel. People hated the temple. People hated the sacrifices. You remember in Samuel? You remember the story in 1 Samuel? Samuel is a child. And, and his mother Hannah gives him over to Eli the priest to raise him in the things of God. And uh, during that transition time, we learn about Eli, we learn about his two boys, Hophni and Phinehas. Y'all remember the story? If you don't remember the story, there's some homework. This afternoon, we don't have street ministry. We don't have anything going on this afternoon. You go read the story if you don't know it. First Samuel. Hophni and Phinehas were the sons of the preacher man, and they made people the word God used was abhor the offerings of God. That's strong hate. These two men did things that made the people hate offering things to God. Here, here's the idea. They made them, they, they made, Hophni and Phinehas made the people think that's how God was. Fast forward a couple hundred years. Here we are in the land of Jerusalem, land of Israel, and we've got a bunch of Pharisees that know what the rabbis say, they know what the Bible says, but man, they do whatever they want to do. 
They live how they want to live. They, I, I talked about it last Sunday night. They give a license for men to divorce their wives for any old reason and leave them women struggling with no money and no way of taking care of themselves, children without daddies, or children being abandoned by their fathers. I mean, listen, they give all this permission for all this stuff. And the people, people, the Israelites, the Jews, hated the things of God because they thought that's how God is. Pharisees know the Bible better than we do, so he must, they must be just acting like God does. I believe, I believe Jesus is calling the question how they, make, how they have made God look in this world. I'm not preaching yet. I'm just still giving the story, but can I just say, how are we making God look in this world? How are we making God look in this world? You've been in the world for six days this week. You've, you've had, uh, uh, whether it be at work or through commerce and in, in the marketplace or, or in, in the stores or in, uh, in, in business or, or just in life, at school, in your family, how have you made God look this week? They have made God, they have made God look like a mean, grouchy, ugly God. Jesus says, uh, if you were the children of God, ye, you, you would love me. You wouldn't be out to kill me. You'd love me. They're, he's calling into question. They're divorced. Nothing about you tells me there's a God. There's nothing in your life that resembles God the Father. Their hearts were dead. They didn't care about people. They drug that woman in there. In chapter 8, they drug her in there, that woman caught in adultery. And listen, as far as we know, she really was caught in adultery. But they didn't care about her. They didn't care about justice. The Bible tells us why they done it. They, they did it to trip Jesus up. They don't care about nobody. Their hearts are dead. They have no love for God. And they definitely have no love for God's people. They have no love for His Son. Here we come. Here we come to the message, verse 44. Back and forth. Abraham's our father. He says, nope, that's not your father. God's our father. He says, nope, that's not, that's not your father. He says, let me tell you who your daddy is. Let me tell you who your father is. Ye are of your father, the devil. Ye are of your father, the devil. I wrote on the top of my notes uh, uh, this week, I wrote, on, I wrote this, who's your daddy? Is Abraham your daddy? All you've got's religion. All you've got's ritual. All you've got's tradition. All you've got is knowing how to put on the dog and pony. All you know is how to put on the front so everybody thinks you're okay. But all you really are, you got Abraham, you're the seed of Abraham, all right. But that's all you are. Physically. Or is God your father? talk about that in a minute but, but here he says the reality is there may be somebody here this morning your daddy's the devil ye are of your father the devil here's what he says you have continually rejected the word of God 
And you are revealing who you really are. I'm the light of the world, he said. And you rejected the light of the world. Why? Because men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil, is what John said. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Why? They willingly kept rejecting the word, and they were revealing who they were and whose they were. Number one, I see the exposure of the devil. Jesus here reveals who the devil is. Listen to me, young people. This world has corrupted your mind to make you make you believe there is not a devil. Listen to me. The devil, the devil is not some fictional character in a child storybook somewhere. The devil is not some scary monster on some R-rated movie that Christians ought not be watching anyway. And the devil is not the boogeyman hiding under your child's bed at night or hiding in the closet or hiding in the dark. The devil is real this morning. The devil is a reality. Jesus says ye are of the Father, the devil. And he exposes that there is a real devil out there. That's what the world, the world wants you to think he's a scary monster in a movie he wants you to think it's some fictional character in a storybook he wants you to think he's the boogeyman hiding in your closet on your bed why because one day one day these kids gonna grow up realize they ain't no boogeyman under the bed or in the closet one day you're gonna get smart enough realizing movies ain't real these fictional storybooks are not real well they do when they figure that out they say well see the devil ain't like that So the devil must not be real. But the devil's real. And here's what the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter, 2 Peter chapter 5. 2 Peter chapter number 5, 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant. Wow. Be sober, be sound-minded. Use your brain. Have some common sense. Think about these things. Be vigilant, be on guard. Why? Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He is real. And listen to me. He is your enemy. He hates God. God. And he knows God loves you. He knows that you're the apple of God's eye. He knows that you are the crowning jewel of creation. God created you in His image, not the animals, not the plants, not the ocean, not the mountains, but He created man in His own image. And the devil knows that. And he hates you because he hates God. He's the enemy. The devil wants to steal from you. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to steal your love. He wants to steal your long-suffering, your gentleness, your kindness, all the fruits and spirit God God gives you at salvation. The devil wants to steal all that from you. And ultimately, the devil wants to kill you. He is seeking whom he may devour. He's not going to play games with you. He's not here to play patty cake. He's wanting to devour you. You know what 2 Corinthians 2 tells us? 
lest Satan should get an advantage of us. For we are not ignorant of his device. I believe we are living in a generation that is ignorant of his devices. The devil hates you. And Jesus is exposing there is a real devil. And listen, can I expose? And listen, I don't feel good about this. I don't like preaching like this because I know what's coming for me this week. But listen, listen, it is so important for me to preach truth to you and expose the devil to you. Why? So you won't be ignorant of his devices because he's coming for you. What are his devices? The lust of the flesh. The lust of the eye. And the pride of life. Those three areas are the areas that he's coming at you this week. He's probably already come this morning. He ain't got no new tricks. You know why he doesn't have any new tricks? Because the old tricks still work. In Genesis chapter 3, Eve is sitting there. Adam imagine she's there and she's picking fruit to eat that day, I don't know, or, or whatever she's doing. All of a sudden, the serpent comes up to her. And if, and if Satan would have, arose, or would, have, would, have, would have rose up in the garden that day and said this, Hey Eve, I've got a plan to ruin mankind. I've got a plan to take all the joy out of your life. I've got a plan uh, to, to take all of your happiness and all your peace. And I've got a plan to make the entire world wicked. And ultimately, Eve, I've got a plan to bring death. You think Eve would have listened to that? You think Eve would have said, oh, sure, let me hear about it. And all you've got to do, Eve, is take that fruit and eat it. You think she would have done that? I don't think she would have. I mean, you may think really bad of Eve. I know some of you are really mad at her. You got these plans. When I die, I get to heaven. I'm going to ask her a thing or two. No, you're not. No, you're not. I've said it before. I'm going to ask Adam a couple things. No, I'm not. Heaven ain't about that. Heaven's going to be about Jesus. Amen. So some of you are really mad at Eve, but I, I got to think that she wouldn't have failed for that. But that's not what the devil does, is it? He comes up and gets her looking at that fruit. That's what the Bible says. You can, there's another homework assignment. If you don't know the story, Genesis chapter 3, there's another homework assignment. It, it, it was appeasing to the eye. It was good to look on. It was probably the prettiest fruit in all of the garden. And the Bible says that she, it became the midst of the garden. Now, I don't know if God planted it in the middle of the garden, but all of a sudden for her that day, it became the center of everything. That's all she could look at. The devil got her looking at it, the lust of the eye. And then he says, uh, and, I, and I get here, but he starts twisting the scripture. We'll get there in a minute, but he starts twisting the scripture, making her start doubting God and all. But it says, uh, don't you want to know everything? God's holding out on you. God just wants you to be in the dark about stuff. God doesn't want you to know everything. Don't you want to know everything, Eve? Pride of life. Well, yeah, I want to know everything. Yeah, I want to know good and evil. I want to know it all. I don't want to miss out on nothing. Well, just take it. Because God knows you take that fruit. You're not going to die. You're going to become a God. That's the lust of the flesh. You got power. You know what? Eve failed that day. 
But thousands of years, those same three tricks, I could go throughout the Bible and look at people after people, person after person, family after family, who the devil had the same tricks, and it worked. It worked, it worked, it worked. And all of a sudden, in Matthew chapter 4, as you know the homework assignment, the devil shows up again. And Jesus is there, and Jesus has been fasting for 40 days. And we know that he's 100% God, but don't forget that he's 100% man. So Jesus is at his weakest point physically outside the crucifixion. What does the devil do? He tempts him in the same three areas he tempts Eve in. Look at all this. Look at everything that I could give to you. Look at all this. Oh, look at them stones. Look at those stones. You just turn those stones into bread. You won't be hungry no more. Oh, just throw yourself down. Look at there. Them angels will pick you up. Lust of the eyes. I don't have time to do it. Lust of the eyes. The lust of the flesh. The pride of life. All there. We know how Christ defeated that, don't you? It is written. It is written. It is. It, hey, hey, you know what he combated him with? The word. Why did these people, why did these people become the enemies of God? Because the, my, my word has not found a place in you. Has no place in my word. You've rejected my word. And you wonder why you can't defeat the devil. Because you reject his word. It's the only defeat for the devil. We are not ignorant of his device. And soon you know what? Here we are thousands of years later. And guess how Satan's going to mess with you today and mess with you this week. He's going to come to you at the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. He's coming. You know what? I believe, I don't think the devil wants you to become a devil. I personally don't believe the devil wants you to start becoming a Satan worshiper. I don't think he has any desire to start a church to worship him. I don't think the, Satan has any desire to have a, a Bible written uh, in, in lieu of worshiping him. I don't think he wants you to dress all in black and put black eyeliner on and paint your fingernails black and, uh, and burn candles at night in the cemetery somewhere and chanting a bunch of seances. And I don't think that's really his desire. I don't think his desire is. For you to become God in your life. He just has a desire that you become God of your life. Isn't that what he offered Eve? Isn't that what he offered Jesus? I'll give you all the power. Here's what I believe the devil really wants out of you. He wants you just to live your life how you want to. He don't care if you come here or go somewhere else with a steeple. You don't care if you hear Bible preaching as long as you don't do nothing about it. You don't care if you sing songs about Jesus as long as you don't even think about what you're singing. He doesn't care if you go through the motions of Christianity and religion as long as you do it and you're the center of your life. As long as you are God of your life, that's all he's concerned. Why? He wants you to live a life vacated of God. so much more but he exposes the devil and then he explains the devil he says this he was a murderer 
from the beginning. Now, murder is more than just taking a life, right? You, you could take a life and not be a murderer. Self-defense. Uh, you know, we don't have this whole lot more, but corporal punishment. Hey, what I believe Israel ought to go in there and destroy Hamas, right? War. War time. Take a life. You wouldn't be a murderer. Here's the murder is taking a life that God does not warrant you taking that life. He's a murderer. What's his way of murder? Lies. That's what he said. Verse number 44, he was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth. He ties that together. What's his method of murder? Lies. He's a serpent. I don't know what the serpents were like in the garden, but you'd think if he wanted to kill Eve, he'd just bite bitter. Somebody said, well, venom didn't come before the garden. How do you know you wasn't there? I don't know either. But he didn't bite her. He didn't grab a branch off the tree and sharpen it up and stab her with it. He didn't go find a poison apple, have her bite into it, and kill her physically. What did he do? He started lying to her. He started lying and started making her doubt God and started her deny and finally eventually deny God. His method of murder is lies. You know what's rampant in our society today? Lies. And what's sad is that even folks that claim Christianity and folks that claim Christ live lives of lies. But I say this. There are two ways that you can act like the devil more than any other way. There's two great sins that we can commit that we're, that, that we're never more like the devil until we do these two things. Number one is slandering people. Gossiping, slandering people. And number two is lying. Revelation 21.8 says all liars shall have their part the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. God lumps liars with sorcerers, whoremongers, unbelievers, idolaters. God lumps liars with that crowd. And so here's, here's what I want to ask you. So is your father Abraham, you just got a bunch of religion? Is your father the devil? You live your life and you're God of your life? Your world surrounds, uh, uh, is centered around you and your desires and your wants and your rights and it's all about me. Even being here this morning is more about you than it is God. This morning we uh, reviewed our lesson. Last week in our, in our discipleship class we talked about the church, the local church. And this morning, how do I fit into the local church and use my gifts that God's given me to fit in the local church. But here's, 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 you know what the church is for? For one reason, the main thing the church is for is to glorify God. But not for somebody who's a child of Satan. The church is to glorify me, myself, what I want. Or are you a child of God? When you're saved, God gives you a divine nature. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. A new one. Behold, all things are becoming. Behold, old things have passed away. All things are become new. Everything about your life is new. Now, there's some things that, that take some time, doesn't it? There's some 
there's some progressive sanctification. There's some stuff that takes some time. There's some stuff that with that divine nature, it just comes naturally. Do you have a new nature this morning? Or do you have a nature of deceit? A nature of lies? You think you're fooling your family. Maybe an adult, you, you think you're fooling your spouse or your children. Maybe a young person, you think you're fooling your parents. Maybe you think you're fooling the preacher. I don't know. But you know your life is a, is a, a life full of lies. It's just one, one false thing after another. I think I, could, I think I could boldly say this morning, ye are of your father the devil. If your life is a life of lies. Maybe you've got a life of murder in your heart. Hate people. Bitterness. Hatred towards other people. Cannot stand to see other people succeed. Wish that everybody other than yourself would fail. Or maybe not everybody, but there's some people that you just, you hate. And you got so much murder in your heart, everything that comes out of your mouth is slander. Gossip. Talking bad about somebody. I think I can boldly say that this morning, ye are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father. Maybe your father, your father's Abraham. Maybe your father's the devil. But you don't have to live that way. You don't have to die that way. These men, I believe with all my heart, they could have repented and believed at that very moment. But you know what they end up doing at the end of chapter number 8? The Bible says in verse 49, 59, Then took they up stones to cast at. But Jesus hid himself. It wasn't his time yet. You have a choice to make this morning. Now, if you're saved this morning, you've got to make sure that you're not falling to the traps of Satan. If you're saved this morning, you've got to make sure that you're not ignorant of his devices. That when he comes and tempts you with the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye and the pride of life, and God is faithful, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10. He is faithful that he will make a way of escape. And you've got to make sure you're not ignorant of Satan's devices and that you are not ignorant of God's way of escape. God will give you ways to escape it. You do not have to fall into sin. If you're not saved this morning, what do I do to change families? What do I do to get out from under the Father, Satan, and get under the Father, God? Is You must be born again. You must be born from above. How does that happen? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Thou shalt. He said, he said it, it can't be that easy. Read chapter 8. Another homework assignment. <laughs> Read chapter 8. What was the big problem with these men? They didn't believe him. My word, my word has found no place in you. You don't believe. 
You don't believe. You don't believe. All the He said this, and, and we talked about this last time. But in verse twenty-four, I said therefore unto you that you shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am He, you shall die in your sins. You got to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It'll change your life. It doesn't just give you a pass from hell to heaven. It changes everything about your life. So I ask this morning, who's your daddy? Who's your daddy this morning? I've given burden to my heart this morning. Christians, if I were you, I'd be praying. God will help you not be ignorant of Satan's devices. He wants to devour you. He wants to steal from you. He wants to kill you. He wants you to live your life like there is no God. He wants you to live your life apart from God. That's his device. He wants you to leave out of here this today and not think anything about what's been sung about or preached about or taught about today. He wants you to go tomorrow and do everything you want to do exactly how you want to do it without thinking of him at all. He wants you to live another week without getting into the Word of God. Another week without praying to God. Another week without being led by the Spirit of God. He wants you to just live your life the way you want to. So Christian, I pray, God, help me not be ignorant of Satan's devices in my life. And then I'd pray, God, help me know when there, that temptation is there. Help me recognize that temptation. And help me escape. Help me get away from that temptation. Help me yield myself to the Spirit of God. That's what I'd pray. But if you're lost this morning, what I'd do is find a place in this altar, in the pew, somewhere, Repent and believe the gospel. Turn from your self-righteousness. Turn from your sin. Stop trusting in yourself. Stop trusting in your own works. Stop trusting in your own religion. And fall on the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Totally abandon yourself on Christ. Alone for salvation. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And thou shalt be saved.